Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, that is Kurt Souter, and we are doing a little show here. We've been doing now for a few years for... Uh, we say it's four men by men talking about stuff from a guy's perspective. We have a lot of lady listeners, and that's great. But uh, our primary audience is the guys. And, you know, one thing that really will capture guys, all of us, is sports. We love sports. And, man, it's just something that men can relate to in some way, shape, or form. Even sitting on a couch eating potato chips. We can still somehow <laughs> see ourselves on the screen or see ourselves in the story somehow. But I want to, if you're hearing this now, we're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, no matter where you're listening to it. But I got a little blast from the past here, okay? I got a little blast from the past. Our guest today has a little bit of history. And I want to, about 30 seconds worth of history here. So listen to this. Down to 10 seconds. To Kaiser. This is a three. He nails it. That's what you want to have if you're Denny Crum. You draw it up. You have your best player, the man who's a player of the game. Look to draw the defense. Get a little bit of penetration. Have your better free three-point shooter come around. I like how he said, you drop a play for your best player, and then you throw it to the other guy, which apparently the other guy is in the studio with us today. <laughs> but and, the killer is he made the three-pointer. Against mm. UCLA 1996, that was uh, maybe one of the, the shots of his career. So, Brian Kaiser, man, welcome to the show. Good to be here. So, okay, so 1996, mm. you're playing for Denny Crum, Hall of Fame coach. Mm. and uh, Never won in Poly Pavilion before. He'd never won there. He played there, coached there at UCLA, had never won really? in Poly Pavilion, yeah. So uh, the last 10 seconds, you, this has been how many, this is over two decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> but you still remember it, don't you? Oh, definitely. I play yeah, it every yeah. night before I go to sleep, <laughs> just watch it. You say, you, say, you, you say to Wendy, Wendy, hold on, just, just we got we to gotta, we gotta listen to this Watch one. this with me, honey. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna watch this together every, again every night, and and the kid you gather the kids around. <laughs> it's good to be known as the guy who hit the shot rather than the guy who missed the shot, right? But they don't really remember the guy who UCLA the shot was anymore. ranked what what that uh, at that time? Uh, they were probably top ten. Uh, we might have been top fifty during that time, but they had won the national championship the year before national television I'd never hit a game winning shot like not even in grade school <laughs> had I hit a game winning shot so to come your senior year against the defending national champs with in John the, Wooden sitting on the sidelines watching the game yeah, it's a pretty special moment wow yeah that's that's worthy to turn that on every night before you go to bed and have the kids and Wendy I like how the announcer <laughs> said they dropped the play for their best player and then they threw it to their better shooter over here so Dewan Wheat was definitely the best player on our team I mean it looked like he was going to take the guy one on one now there was a connection though talk about this how you how Dewan Wheat helped get you to U of L in a, in a roundabout yeah. way right so, yeah. Because, okay, yeah. so describe that. Denny Crum was really recruiting him. He'd already recruited him. Him and Tick Rogers had already signed that year to play for Louisville. And so they were at the Kentucky All-Star tryouts. And I was invited to the tryouts. I didn't know if I would be invited or not. I was. And I was being recruited by some small schools, but no big schools were recruiting me at that time. Coach Crum came to watch them, and he saw me and – I'd never played that well before, and I probably ain't played that well since. <laughs> and uh, and he saw me one day, and then called back the next day and offered me a scholarship. It was really that 
that quick. You, you played know, so. out of your mind, and yeah. he saw you, and we, he said, I got to have that guy. Yeah. And he had a four-year career at UofL. Yeah, it was great. Great experience. To, um, great coach. No, I was going to say, now, from UofL, you grew up a UK fan, right? Oh, yeah. I can remember when Coach Crum brought me on my recruiting visit. He introduced me to Derek Smith. Yeah. Derek Smith was, you know, uh, NBA Rookie of the Year. He was on the 80 championship team. Right. I had no idea who he was. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I could have told you who walked on at UofL that year, or UK that year, yeah. you know, I could have, because that's all I bled. You bled blue deep within. Back in Estill County, that's and what you it is. Then, right? And it so, is. so, uh, so um, like today, who do you root for? I, I root for both. I mean, I root for Louisville, but uh, I'm a Kentucky fan too. Like I really am. My wife can't do that. She's only a Louisville fan. Like, but I can. I can do that. You can. Yeah. You can. You can be divided. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you, know, I, you know, the I'm Bible talks. The, the Bible talks about being divided. That's right. <laughs> Worshiping God <laughs> and manna. Can't do both. So okay, but you grew up in a basketball home, right? Your dad. Yeah. Your, your dad played ball. He did, yeah. He played at Eastern Kentucky University. My, my mom was a cheerleader there. My dad coached for our high school team just a little bit before I was born, so he never coached me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, from a very early age, I was, I was playing basketball. Did you, did, did, did you have dreams that you were going to play major college ball? Definitely. You did. They, they were beyond dreams, Kurt. They were uh, – my identity as a teenager was wrapped up in into basketball you know like i was trying to impress my friends and look like a success in the eyes of other people very much concerned with what everybody else thought and still that's a temptation you know to this day but very much concerned with what everybody else thought and uh, basketball was a way that i could make people think i was successful Mm. And uh, my senior year in high school, I wasn't being recruited by any big schools. I always wanted to play for a, a big college team that would play in the tournament, play on TV. But my senior year, I wasn't being recruited by any big schools. And my last high school basketball game, I, I couldn't play and I had an ankle injury. And God used that ankle injury in my life. How, how did he use how, how, how so? I came home that night and I got down on my knees and I said, uh, God, I think you can do a better job with my life than I can. And I realized that I was living my life for my glory and that the purpose in life was to bring him glory, to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And um, that, that moment probably changed my life. That may have been the moment that I was born again, that I was saved. Uh, I was baptized when I was 11, 12 years old, but at that moment, I think I understood what it meant to know Christ as Lord. That ankle injury yeah. was God opening your eyes to a whole other level Definitely. of what it meant to follow Jesus and allow him to be the master of your life. Something as simple as that. You know, it's not a big tragedy that a 17-year-old can't play in a, his last high school basketball game. There's worse tragedies in the world. But for a 17-year-old who had all of himself wrapped up in a basketball, he used it to humble me. And so when so he he used that, and 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 yet you still were able to go to the All Star tryouts. Right. A, few, a couple months later, I was recovered enough to play. 
you have yep. this incredible experience. Yep. Hall of Fame Denny Crum, you know, uh, coach, you know, comes, yeah, recruits you and says offers you a scholarship. Yeah. And so, h- how are you, as as you now are headed to the University of Louisville to play basketball mm. for a an incredibly well known coach? Yep. Um, how how is that playing out your your spiritual life and basketball life? How what's going on? Well, it was good timing for me. Like when I when I went to college, uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, but we never really prayed together. You know, my, my dad was a very quiet man. He didn't say a whole lot, mm. but he did probably ten times better than his dad did in that he took us to church every Sunday. And so from an early age, I was hearing Bible stories. I heard the gospel. I understood the gospel at an early age. But I wasn't very thoroughly discipled in any way, you know, growing up. FCA had some influence there, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I got... got And during high school. During high school, Okay. But then got to college and got involved in Southeast Christian Church, FCA. And it was like, wow. Had a lot of Christian friends. I was really growing as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in high school or in college. When you were in college, there's a couple of people that really sticks out in your yep. mind as influencing you in your spiritual walk with Jesus. Yeah, Steve Wigginton would be the top of that list with as just a big brother in Christ. He was always around UofL. And then I was had the the privilege of serving alongside of him and working with him with FCA for eight years full-time after college. And then the other one would be my wife, Wendy. Uh, she grew you gotta, up. You got to love that. Yeah. Just a, I mean, just someone as a freshman in college who really sharpened me spiritually and challenged me on some things that, you know, I was just immature. And uh, so, yeah. Were you, were you, okay, so you, you, you didn't know Wendy until you're a freshman. Yep. You see this cute girl. Yep. And you're like, wow, I, I, I'd like to get to know her. I saw her in the training room and she'd sprained her ankle, so I was consoling her. <laughs> such a, hitting on her. Such, at a, the same time. <laughs> such a gentleman. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, we just, we had a class together. We started going to church together, FCA together. She was just really my best friend through college. We were together all the way through college. Well, we're going to take a break and uh, come back and hear more about your college career. That If you said, I played Division One college basketball at UofL, man, that pulls a lot of weight in this town and in a lot of towns. A lot of people may look at Brian and think, boy, that must have been the highlight of your life, hitting that shot against UCLA that we just played in the beginning of the show. But the truth of the matter is God was just beginning <laughs> to do some amazing things in Brian's life. So from an earthly perspective, you may look at it and say, well, his career kind of peaked on that shot. Well, not even close. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what God was doing in this man's life from Estill County to the Middle East. How does a guy go from there one point to another? Well, when God's writing your story, he can take you anywhere he wants. So we're going to take a break. In the next segment, we're going to talk more about his career at UofL and afterwards. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter. We are here with Brian Kaiser. We're reminiscing about 
sound like a bunch of old guys sitting around talking about high school days, that shot in basketball. And uh, uh, so we, uh, we're talking about his career. We're living vicariously through Brian, actually. Kurt and I aren't saying anything about our career. We had none. No, yeah. But Brian here was uh, talking about his days from Estill County and how he got to U of L playing basketball. And uh, man, we a lot of good stories we're going to talk about in this segment about playing at U of L. But we want to thank our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union. They have been a major sponsor of our show. Uh, from the beginning, we thank them. They are a major sponsor of a lot of people here in, in Louisville. Uh, whether your financial needs are personal, business checking, uh, car loans, home loans, you need it. Ellen and Credit Union, uh, they will take care of you and all your financial needs. And also, the Vision First Eye Care. In 11 different cities, they've got six locations in Louisville alone. But if you throw a rock, you can hit a Vision First Eye Care. Uh, they'll take care of you, not just as a set of eyes, but as a person. Rod Rollo and his crew are as good as they get when it comes to eye care, vision first. And also, we want to remind all of our listeners, we have a listener appreciation radio event, October 1st. Put it on your calendar. We'd love to invite you, but you got to RSVP, and you can do that to going to furtherstillministries.org, furtherstillministries.org, or you can go to our Facebook page, Solid Steps Radio, and just send us a message and say, hey, I want some more information on that, and we will take care of you. So, uh, and yeah, Chad, that night, we got... Uh, incredible barbecue. It's a free meal on us. It's just saying thank you to all our listeners, all our guests. So, wow. You know, that, that includes you, brother. Awesome. And uh, your your bride and hmm. uh, our uh, sponsors. and uh, Chuck Tackett's going to be speaking that night about marriage and relationships, and uh, he's, he's as good as it gets. Yeah, really good night. So October 1st, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock is the uh, radio show, and uh, we'll have some good eating at 6. Hmm. So, okay, so Brian, uh, okay, now... I mean, you're growing up, your identity is basketball. I mean, when did you know, hey, I'm pretty good? Uh, well, I mean, it was yeah. grade, school, grade school, a junior I high? mean, I was always tall, you know, so I was playing center in high school and junior high, high school. Uh, but I knew I wasn't, at 6'6", six, six, wasn't going to play major division one ball at, at six foot six. As a center. As a center. Yeah, exactly, as a center. So I tried to develop an outside shot. and uh, But, you know, you show up first day of practice at L and it's like a track meet. <laughs> These guys are fast. <laughs> you know, for me to try to get down in a defensive position and guard Dwayne Morton, who's six foot six also, but lightning quick, it was, it was challenging. It was great. Um, you realize, hey, I love this game. This is awesome. I'm now playing Division One, but uh, I, I, there's probably not going to be a career after. But you did say in the break uh, that the one NBA team did ask you to come. Yeah, the Indiana Pacers invited me to their training camp, which just means you know they're a little bit interested and. They sent half of us home after the first day, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew my chances were slim. You know, I maybe could have played overseas. That was a, a possibility, but Wendy and I were just getting married, or we had actually gotten married after, before the, the tryouts, and I had begun working with FCA actually even before the tryouts, been serving with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So t- talk to us, though, still. How did you manage basketball at a very, very high level, very, very well-known basketball yeah. coach, basketball program, I mean, yeah. around the country. Um, Danny had won two national titles. Oh, and uh, just a great coach. He, he uh, you know, was mentored under John Wooden. And, oh. I mean, I mean, just all of that. I mean, I can't say enough about 
my coach in college. I mean, Coach Crum, he never screamed and yelled. You know, he was he was a teacher. He taught the game. If you got it done in practice, you had a chance to get it done in the game. He gave you an opportunity, so you earned your minutes. Um, just a great a great coach to play for. At the end of a game, if it's tight, you always know he's gonna he's gonna make some good decisions. So it's great to play for him. So to keep all that in perspective, man, I just think it comes down to one word, and that would be grace. That God, God had saved me, and the Holy Spirit was living inside of me, and there was a change, you know, even through probably b- between high school and college, where I just understood that um, my identity was first a Christ follower, and then who everybody else saw me as, you know, and that's a, a basketball player. But but in in the world of basketball, everybody is pulling you into the basketball world. Mm. And and that, that that's who they see you as. That's yep. who they want you. They you know, they're pulling you into that world. How did you balance that? Yeah. Uh every day, every morning I would get up and I had a I had a uh, a routine of reading a chapter of the Bible every morning, praying. Um, church was a big part of, of my life. I, I was at church every Sunday. And then also just surrounding myself with other believers. You know, at, at a big campus like UofL, there's, a, there's FCA, there's the, the Baptist campus ministry. There's other ministries that uh, people can get involved in. And, and I, so I had a lot of believing friends, you know, and that was really helpful a lot of brothers in Christ that we would spend a lot of time together, you know, just trying to sharpen one another and encourage one another. And um, to have those kind of relationships are just so important. You know, we as a Christian, we're, we live in a country that values independence so much, but the Bible more values interdependence, where we mm-hmm. lean on each other and encourage one another and spur one another on challenge one another and sometimes rebuke one another if need be but really love each other enough to do so yeah in daniel chapter three the the famous story of shadrach meshach and abednego when they when they're going to the fiery furnace they're 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 rebelling against the king Mm. and my wife and i nancy we were talking about how do they get there and at part was because there was three of them they were Mm. i'm sure they were encouraging each other like we got to stay strong here we got it we cannot deny god we got to we got to you know we've got to stick together here Mm. and that was a huge piece of you in FCA world, and, yep. and and eventually the the this cute little girl that became your wife, yeah. you learned a lot from Wendy. Yeah, um, what it meant to walk with Jesus and allow Him to be the master of your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she sharpened me as much as anybody during my time in college. Uh, you know, I, I can remember a conversation that we had. Um, we we were watching a movie actually on campus, and in the movie in the movie was a a sex scene, and she uh, she was not comfortable, and she got up and she walked out, and I was kind of like, where'd she go? <laughs> you know, what, what's what's the big deal? And I, I finally walked out and found her outside, and and she said, are you really comfortable sitting there watching that? with me right next to you you shouldn't be comfortable watching it 
even if I'm not next to you, you know? And I knew she was right. And I was like, that's true. You know, there's something within me, the Holy Spirit within me said, that's true. Mm. I shouldn't be comfortable doing that. And so there's a lot of things that, that God used her to challenge me on that were true. That's a, uh, when you surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. You know, I, the Bible yeah. says that we are to spur one another on mm. to love and good deeds. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening in your world as a college athlete. Definitely. Definitely. That's what a gift. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so, a gift. so uh, you know, when you think about, um, you know, Steve Wig as well. Yeah. Just continuing to, to challenge you. Mm. Um, if you're in the Louisville uh, community, in the Louisville area, you and you're in the athletic world, you probably know Steve Wig. He's been with FCA for, uh, I, I think, for millennia now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, God, God has used him to touch many, many, many athletes, and you were one of those. Yeah. And well, then, and then uh, kind of fast forward a little bit, because Steve okay. came to you and asked you to do something. Yeah, so my senior year, I was looking to maybe pursue coaching, uh, but uh, Steve came to me at the beginning of my senior year and said, hey, uh, we could use another staff person. He was, he'd was he been doing it, I think, by himself for 10 years, you know, 100 schools in the Kentuckiana area or whatever it was back then, and uh, he wanted to give schools more attention and more relationships with coaches and teachers. And so uh, I... I, after praying about that and really just thinking that through, I realized, you know, God has given me influence in this city, and I'm responsible with that influence. And um, if schools would be a place, there's some other things that were options, but if uh, if FCA and the schools of the South End and the West End of Louisville were my schools and WIG was more East End, uh, if, if that's where I'm supposed to use this influence, then I should use it, and I should be faithful with that. And so... Now, were you already was were you already married by then? Yeah, yeah, we we got married. So, uh, literally, Kurt, in one week's time, I graduated from college, started working for FCA, got married, and conceived my first child all in one week's time. Nice. Wow. <laughs> let's uh, my uh, my Ivy would say, let's just ram it all in together. <laughs> Life change. That's a good week. Life. It's a great week. We're going to take a break here uh, shortly uh, and come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about life after basketball. We touched on a little bit today, but what happened to Brian Kaiser? Many people always ask these athletes, whatever happened to this athlete? Because they come out of the limelight and sometimes handle it well, sometimes they don't. But what happened to Brian? What did he do after in, in FCA and how did he end up halfway around the world? So we're going to take a break. And if you're listening to this, tune into our Facebook page on the, uh, the video of it. We're going to talk in between the scenes or in between commercials here about some of his basketball career a little bit more, who some of the toughest basketball players he played against, uh, some of his favorite games. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So if you want to check that out, go to our Facebook page, like it, and you'll be able to hear more about that on our video. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Uh, you missed a segment in between. If you're a college basketball fan, we spent about 10 minutes talking to Brian about his college career, best team he played with, 
or against coach uh, players he played against about being under a hall of fame coach of of denny crumb what he was like in practice so uh go to our facebook page like it and you can see the facebook live video we did about this show uh the behind the scenes is the full show so go check that out for free um we want to thank our sponsors of our show um you're talking about sinking some baskets if you're if your septic tank is not sinking or is starting to sink you need to go <clears throat> call our friends <laughs> that was not a great one i have some good ones that have not good ones frank enterprises they are the professional septic tank landscaping and wastewater management services they've been doing this since 1997 and they are great at what they do, and they sponsor our show. We also want to thank Bright Star Home Care. They help people walk through that very tough season of having to take care of a loved one, whether it's one day a week or 24-hour care. Bright Star Home Care can take care of you, and they take care of us. So, okay, I, as, as my brother here is introducing Frank Enterprises and tanking the septic system and all that, I was thinking, Brian, what, do, do you remember a game when, I mean, it just everything went south? Hmm. And and you're like, oh my yeah. goodness! And I mean, like, how did you handle that? I cried in the shower after the game in Rupp Arena. That was <laughs> that was the game that went south. My senior year, we're playing against Kentucky. There's probably no other game that I wanted to play well against. You know, I grew up a Kentucky fan. Had seven turnovers. Oh, seven turnovers. Oh. <laughs> you know, they was a ninety. That was a '96 team. They were running over everybody. Such a great team. You know, we were talking about it during the break. Uh, eleven or ten or eleven of the players on their roster played sometime in the NBA. So, yeah. But I remember being in the shower, just crying. Did you have any points that night? Yeah, I had a few. I mean, I shot a few. Yeah, didn't shoot well either. But, but didn't shoot well. Seven turnovers, and you cried. And <laughs> I, what, what was what was uh, what was what was God? Did, did you sense that God was telling you? Humble yourself. It's not about this. Yeah, oh, it's not. Wow. It's not about this at all. Brian, you know, I love you, my son. I love you, but this is not. This is no big deal. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this but, is not but, what it's but about. But Lord, but Lord, this is UK. He probably knew. <laughs> he probably knew the pride that I would have swelled up in if you had had a great. game. If I'd had a good game, that game. So what is it? Uh, he gives grace. Uh, he exalts. Uh, so he, gives grace, he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Opposes the proud. There and we gives go. Grace and to gives the grace to the humble. Yeah. And so you're like, oh Lord, I, I, <laughs> I sure would have been nice to play good, but yeah, I was thinking about that. Well, uh, Brian, talk to us. You know, you, you fast forward. You're, you're now doing FCA full time. You're, you're you're going around to junior high, high school kids, sharing your faith, sharing your story, talking about Jesus. Talk about that to our listeners. Yeah, so for eight years I served full time with FCA and after college, and uh, wow, I loved it. And there was it wasn't a job; mm. it was a privilege, you know, to be to go into schools. I mean, we would go to a school almost every morning. You know, we'd get there at seven o'clock because you got this little window, especially with with junior high schools, seven fifteen to seven thirty. <laughs> They're all just kind of sitting around. The buses have brought them all in. They're just waiting for somebody to do something with them. And to have a, a Christian teacher or coach pull together a leadership team that calls up speakers and brings them to the school and and to share the gospel with a, a couple hundred kids in the morning. Are you kidding me? Like what a what an privilege honor. that is, you know. So I loved it. I never thought I would be doing anything else. 
but then September the 11th happened, 2001. 9-11. Started looking at a world map and saying, where's Afghanistan? And what do these people believe? You know, what, is, what does Islam teach? And God began to burden our hearts for unreached peoples, people who live in countries, you know, people think unreached, they think the jungles of Africa or somewhere, but, you know, there are huge major cities that predominantly are the people who live in them are unreached people, and Asia, Northern Africa, the Middle East. So so you're, you're working with FCA. You're, you're sharing Christ with all these kids, all right. these schools, all around uh, yeah. the Kentuckiana area. 9-11 happens. Mm. And God uses that to begin to prompt you to ask questions and like, what's, go- what's going on with our world and what's going what, what these Muslims and why would they do yeah. this? And, and, and he's, he uses this horrific event of thousands of people who die. Yep. And he's mm-hmm. drawing you to do ministry to those people. Yeah. You know, if if you think about our our state, the state of Kentucky, uh 49% of the population of our state will say that they are evangelical Christians. That means that they believe the Bible is inerrant and that they believe that you have to be born again to be saved. Now, God knows who's really his if, you know, what percent of our of our state is actually born again in in the in the faith. Um, but during the course of their lifetime, they will most likely hear the gospel and have a friend who's a believer during the course of their lifetime. But that's not the case for a lot of people around the world. Um I think it's I think it's said that about forty percent of the world's population lives among an unreached people group, and so there's hundreds of millions of people who've yet to hear the gospel in a way that they can understand. And what a privilege it is to be a person that shares that, you know, with somebody. Yeah, you you were sharing with us at, at before the show that you were just connecting with a person who had never heard the name of Jesus. That's um, oh, it would, um, trying to remember that what we said. Um, well, that, well, you, you can't mention where because part of what you do is a little bit, a little bit. Of, uh, you got to be anonymous as far as a little bit, yeah. Where you're going and going places in and, out. and names, yeah. Talk about how the, when you were introduced to the idea of going, hey, wait a minute, I've got to go to a country that if I start talking about faith, now it could become more than ridicule. It could become. Uh, you could be some type of persecution, whether right. it's jail or even the people around you. Talk about that for a second. That's probably the more, the greater concern is just the, you know, the people that are associated. As an American, we have so many privileges and so many rights. And, uh, you know, I've, I've faced a little bit of opposition in a couple of countries in the Middle East. And I think because I was an American, I, I, I was more or less asked to leave, you know, uh, because of what, because of sharing the gospel with people, so if anybody should be taking risks for the gospel, it probably should be us, you know, because we've been given so much privilege and uh, so many rights. 
but yeah, that, that area of the world and other areas of the world, there are places where uh, if someone leaves their former religion, then they can face either persecution from the government or from their family. And I, I've had the honor of, of knowing a few of those guys along the way and, uh, and being friends with them. And, uh, and that's sobering. They, 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 give, they hear the gospel. They hear that Jesus Christ loved them so much that he would die for them yeah. as an atoning death uh, to pay the price for their sin right. so they could have forgiveness and eternal life, not just in heaven one day, but eternal life beginning now. And they give their life to Christ. They receive that gift of salvation. And they are immediately <laughs> persecuted. Persecuted. I mean, usually not immediately. It takes you, a little bit of time. Usually in a lot of these countries, especially the area of the world that I work in, if you're quiet, if you don't share your faith with other people, you can pretty much live your faith. You know, honor, shame, cultures. As long as you don't bring shame upon our family by saying you're not what we are, then you can you can exist. You can still be part of the family. But if you start to share your faith with other people, which, of course, is, as Christ followers, we're it's like a to, fire so we're shut up do. in our bones, right? Like we have to share, right? And so, uh, yeah, but, you know, one friend of mine, a guy I met online, I did some online ministry for several years and was was going in and out of, let's just say, the Arabian Peninsula and um, met this guy there, one of the guys I was talking with online. I wasn't the first Christian he had met. He had worked with another Westerner who had actually given him a Bible uh, and he read some of it, and but then I, I guess I was step two, uh, sharing some things with him online. We met face-to-face, had a conversation. Uh, in the sovereignty of God, he showed up early, for, uh, and, and I was already meeting with another guy, and the other guy was a believer, mm. actually a missionary. And so I was able to connect those two together, and they baptized him. They discipled him. He tried to share with some friends, and his friends threatened him. He panicked a little, and he fled the country, and now he can't go back. Um, his family's basically disowned him, mm. but he has used the Internet to reach a lot of people from outside wow. in, into his country. That's good. So we're going to take a break and uh, maybe talk a few more minutes about this in between the breaks. So go to our Facebook page and, and check that out. But uh, we want to also remind you, to go to our Facebook page and check out for the radio event. We're going to have a radio event, a listener appreciation radio event, um, October 1st. And for more information on that, go to furtherstillministries.org. And the last segment coming up, we're going to talk more about what's Brian doing now these days. Um, how, did, how does he help folks in the Middle East from Louisville, Kentucky? Uh, what's he focusing on now? So we're going to hear more about that and how it actually pertains to everyone who's listening here in the States on Solid Steps Radio. 
Welcome back to our fourth and final segment today of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Satter, we're here with Brian Kaiser talking about uh, basketball, talking about Jesus, and talking about going over to foreign countries where you're not exactly, uh, it's not exactly on the forefront of everybody's conversation as far as talking about faith, at least the Christian faith. Uh, we're going to thank our sponsors of our show. Uh, we got a radio event coming up in October 1st and Southern Smoke Catering Barbecue, southernsmokecatering.com. Uh, best best beef brisket tips I have ever had, and I can't wait to have them on October the 1st. Chris Hadley and his crew know how to do it. They are a catering-only organization. You're and, slobbering right yeah, now. I'm telling you, if, when, you eat, when you eat brisket at 10 in the morning with no sauce, no sides, and you're Ooh. just eating it, it is really, really good. So mm. southernsmokecatering.com. And then Dan Hart Financial. Dan Hart, if you want to know about taking the money that God has given to you and Brian talked about when we're given something being a steward of it uh, the the privilege of that and when we're given money by God and be able to do it in a, in a wise way Dan Hart Financial can help you do that and in the Southeast Outlook they're a local publication that talks about what God is doing not only in our town but around the world and they do great articles in regards to God's work in his kingdom so uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring our show. And also, I want to say thank you again to Ellen Ann. They are awesome, awesome folks. They are, and uh, really appreciate them sponsoring our show. So, Brian, you you are you you're now in full time ministry. You've gone from basketball to missionary work, um, hmm. uh, halfway around the world. Hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about what you experience with the the persecution. And how, how do you lean into that? And how do you help the folks that you're ministering with to stay strong? And, and what, what does that look like? Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think about the parable of uh, the pearl of great price, you know, uh, where there's a man, he discovers this hidden treasure. Uh, actually, there's, yeah, I, I was jumping to another parable there, the parable of the treasure in the field. Uh, but this man in the, in the in the field, he discovers this tr- hidden treasure, and he buries it back up. And he says, "I'm going to go home. I'm going to sell everything that I have, and I'm going to go back and buy this field." Mm-hmm. And it's you know, a little tricky, you know. It's uh, it's a little deceptive, but at the same time, it's worth it, you know, because he knows something about that field that uh, somebody else doesn't know. So, just the. Uh, the idea that Jesus is worth it. Mm. You know, whatever kind of persecution any of these folks have to have to experience, and it's real persecution. You know, just yesterday, uh, a friend from Northern Africa was telling me about one of his friends who was abducted in the market, was put in a car, blindfolded, taken out to the middle of nowhere, beaten. Uh, they called his family and said, his family, his father said, if he's willing to come back to Islam, he can come back to our family. If not, you are free to kill him. They beat him and left him in chains in the desert. He somehow found his way. Government agency found him. And now they're trying to get him back to his village before his family gets there. That's a real situation that's happening right now in northern africa that if any listener out there would just take a moment to quickly pray for this man uh, i'm sure god will hear that 
and I'm sure he'll consider our requests. Above all, the prayer is, God, be glorified in this situation. Mm. Save his family members. Save the people that beat him. You know, save, uh, use this to expand your kingdom uh, in that country, in Northern Africa. And, and, and we are seeing conversions dramatically yeah. uh, around the world and in the, the area that you are ministering in. Yeah, uh, especially through the Internet. Um, a lot of people are coming to faith online. You know, for, for a, push, a person from a Muslim family, it's hard for them to find someone who's a Christian around them. They may not have that in their sphere of influence or their community. So to look something up online or be challenged with something online and have to think about that and then read that or watch that video, God's using that to bring a lot of people to faith and helping them connect with somebody who's on the ground who can help follow up with them. And those, that's, those are powerful ministries, those people who are doing that. You're, God's using you in that whole arena, but he's using it in a, a little bit different way yeah. recently with family ministry. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, as I saw that these people who were doing this online evangelism were doing a great job and reaching a lot of people, uh, they were doing it a lot smarter than the ways I was trying to do it seven or eight years ago. I thought, what's my part? You know, where do I fit in? What's my little part to play in this big picture of, of kingdom expansion among Arab countries? And, you know, having, having eight kids, my wife Wendy and I, we have four boys and four girls. Oldest is 22, and the youngest is 10. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, we have failed a lot in parenting. We've had a lot of bad days, and we've had a lot of grace along the way, too. And we've had a lot of good days. And God has been gracious to us as, as parents, and we've learned a lot. And so to be able to share that with other families, um, especially those in countries where Maybe there's, there's not a whole lot of Christian examples for them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but to pass. So the book that I promote the most would be Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Uh, we've, we've done a whole show on that here. Have you really? We have. Wow. <laughs> it's translated into the Arabic language, so that's been available for years. So I'm just trying to promote that, get uh, Arab-believing fathers and mothers reading that, and then trying to be available when they have questions. Okay, how do we apply that principle to to our kids and our parenting in this context, in this culture? So there's a lot of things to consider, and I'm learning. When when, when did that shift take place for you? Five years ago, probably. Uh, it, it, but it's always been there, Kurt. It's always been like a burden. You know, like I would, I would see families and, and just know that a lot of it was just they didn't know. You know, they're just the culture, their culture. Um, it, it, it goes from one extreme to the other. It's either really harsh and it's punishment, you know, not discipline. Discipline is for our good so that we can share in God's holiness, as Hebrews talks about. Punishment is wrath. You made me angry. I'm going to get revenge on you. You're going to pay for, you know, and as parents, we can fall into that Real quick. pretty easily. Yeah. You know, on a given day, we can go from punishment to discipline in the same moment if we're not careful. Um. But I would see that extreme, and then the other extreme was just uh, permissiveness. Passivity. Yeah, just like, oh, I'll let my kid do, do whatever. So there's a biblical balance in between there. And so just uh, 
that, that book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, I think uh, captures a lot of the principles of how do we, the biblical principles of how we raise kids. It's challenged me, and I've read a lot of other things, too. As parents, we've been desperate many times <laughs> with eight kids. But but really, your that, that focus started when you had your first child, and then the God gave you another one, and then You're another right. one, and God can, has continued to transform you and Wendy into you know how do we not only bring up our kids in the ways of Jesus, but then how how, how do we transfer that in over into the ministry of yeah. where God's called us to proclaim the gospel, and you use family ministry. Uh, I, and, that's that's awesome, you know. And Wendy's not been a huge part of that family ministry overseas because she has been faithful at home, and she has had eight kids to disciple. And uh, we, we've mainly homeschooled. We've done you know some different things. And right now, our, our kids are at Sayers Classical Academy here in Louisville, and we love that place. Um, but she she has been so faithful to say. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna be faithful right where I am, right in the home, and uh, and really joy in that, and love that. And she's getting the arrows ready to be to be launched out of she the, is. Uh, out of the quiver. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. You know, none of us have any guarantees as Christian fathers and mothers that that God will save our kids, but uh, usually in the sovereignty of God, He does see fit uh, to to see that happen so we we just keep praying and we keep sharing and we keep loving and that's good stuff brian our time is wrapped up quickly thank you so much for coming it's great to have you in here great to hear your story your heart how god's using you so thank you would you pray for us guys yeah pray for us please let's do it thanks hello we thank you right now for uh the grace that you've shown us in christ and we would not even be able to to open our mouth and say anything before you were it not for Christ and his blood. So we thank you for that access uh, into this throne of grace. And Lord, I do pray for these men who are listening, uh, husbands and fathers and single guys and uh, businessmen and teachers and doctors and whoever they are, Lord, so easily we can find our identity and what we do whether that's as an athlete or in our work Lord just remind us that our identity is in you and that ultimately we are yours and that puts everything else in perspective in Jesus name we pray amen mm. amen thank you brother Thanks, Brian. well uh, you know Brian came on and shared a scripture verse about Uh, a parable that Jesus told. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. That's Matthew 13, 45 and 46. And so uh, Jesus is worth it. Hmm. Selling everything you have and going after him. And that's what Brian has done in his life. And you may know him as a basketball player, but boy, he's way more than that. Uh, he can still shoot lights out, by the way. I've seen him shoot, and the boy, the boy can still shoot the basketball. As long as you don't make me run. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we'd love for you to hear. We're going to talk a little bit more after uh, the taping of this. If you're hearing it on the radio, we're going to be on uh, Facebook, a uh, little bit of a bonus segment. Thank you for listening. Share this October 1st, listener appreciation. Thank you so much for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Solid Steps Radio.